Hello and welcome. This is Grace and Miranda bringing you Trash and Treasury. For episode seven, for our treasury, we're going to be talking about mail order brides. So what is that term? And is it actually okay to be saying that in 2020? Is it still a thing? Is it just internet dating? What's the deal with it? And how has modern technology changed the face of mail order brides? We'll also be talking for our trash, uh, something extremely trashy today. We're talking Too Hot to Handle, the new reality TV series on Netflix where everyone's put together on an island, but they can't sleep together. So some hard-hitting journalism today. (laughs) (laughs) The real struggles. (laughs) But first things first, we're going to be digging into Mail Order Brides. bride is a woman who lists herself in a catalogue and is then selected by a man for marriage internationally. So this used to be like a physical catalogue you'd get in the mail and you'd send back the woman you want, which is why it's called mail order bride. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Now it's online. But I think we want to make really clear we're not talking about international online dating. We're talking about specifically the industry of mail order brides where it's actually run by a business and these businesses make a lot of money. And we also want to make clear up front as well. So the term mail order bride is controversial and it's criticized by a lot of people, including sort of the customers of the international marriage agencies. But they also themselves do use the term because international dating, international marriage, online brides, it doesn't really explain what it is and mail order bride is the recognizable term for basically what we're talking about we're not talking about okay cupid right now and also i think we want to make clear that we're not talking about interracial relationships or age gaps we're talking specifically about mail order brides yeah exactly like the the term is filled with quite a lot of controversy um and also you know there's lots of different areas of sort of sympathy or empathy that you exist within this uh, industry or um, concept, whatever you want to call it. Um, I actually watched a documentary called Love Me, and it actually focuses on some very lonely men in America. Uh, often some have money but are not overly crazy rich. They're sort of just doing well for themselves, sort of middle of the range, average Joes. Uh, some of them are you know, a bit more frumpy or something like that and probably feel quite unattractive. Um, So they reach out to online. Uh, And there's a website that is mainly covered in the doco called A Foreign Affair. So it's Mm -hmm. literally setting up people with overseas women uh, online. And what they have to do is they send a letter or an email that gets translated into the recipient's language and you have to pay like 10 US dollars every letter you send because it needs to be translated plus the agency needs to make money. So that's how it begins. Um, Relatively harmless in concept, right? But there's every single woman on this website is phenomenally, phenomenally beautiful. Like they look like sort of a cross between sort of – you know, supermodels and porn stars. You know, they have very, very... Are they real women or is that just a catfish sort of thing and then the photo is like vaguely resembles the person that shows up? Well, that's a very interesting question. Some of them are real is what I will say. Um, Whether they're doing things for the right reasons is another question, but some of them are real. So, um, I mean, I challenge that. What's the right reason? Going to America for money, that's why you become a male order bride. It's not for love. You could have that next door. It's actually, well, there are a few examples of where people are actually doing this for love. Some women are actually doing this for love and I, and I will get I will get to it. Um, the So the website is essentially where American men usually uh, will meet Russian and Ukrainian women. So it's quite sort of set up in those countries. There's actually an option which they follow in the documentary called tours and they actually go overseas where a bunch of people get together and they mix at like these socials and honestly Uh, like speed dating 
like speed dating, but it's like an, a high school dance from the 80s. Like it's very, oh. very awkward. There's lots of like men who are like little wallflowers who get really nervous to ask the women to dance um, and oh. they're supposed to get to know each other. But the point is that they're all part of this agency and they do actually all meet up. Um, sometimes it seems like there's quite a lot of gold digging happening for from the women, but also... Again, though, I just think that's part and parcel. You can't be upset about that. That's just the reality. And the only reason why you would sign up to this is to better your economic situation. That's right. That's right. And uh, it has to be said that a lot of people may not have a lot of other options. So this exactly. might be something that they've tried to to explore. It's quite strange because, you know, all these stunning women are meeting all these frumpy men in real life and sort of like going for them. And, you know, wouldn't you just think this doesn't seem right, you know, or something like that? There's actually one man uh, who is asking the translators who were there at the dance because, of course... They don't understand each other. They don't speak each other's language. <laughs> so there's literally translators floating around the dance floor, translating like intimate conversations. It's like the funniest, weird, weirdest little thing. But it's kind of sweet. I don't know. It's weird. It's it's weird. I have a mix of emotions about this. Um, uh, he asks if there, are, how many women are there for like real love? And they were giving pretty low numbers. So it, it is somewhat self-aware, but there are a few exceptions. And I think... The men convince themselves. So they're even admitting that up front. Yes. And I think Mm. that, um, well, that was the translators. It wasn't an agent, the agent manager people. Um, And they say that they take scammers very seriously. Whether they do or not, you know, who knows. But they say that they take scammers seriously. So when they do find someone who is scamming, um, they remove them from the website and don't allow them at the socials. Anyway. um, So So what do you mean by someone who's scamming? Uh, so without marrying them, there's lots of courting, lots of wooing happening. Um, and they Like might, send me money, send me stuff. Send me stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So they might do that. Uh, also with this one particular man, he they're sending the letters, the $10 letters. Um, I think the woman who was real, who he was sending letters to, or it was to someone else who looked like her and the woman who actually was her in the picture needed to meet up with him for the purposes of being on television for the documentary and wasn't that interested in him. But Mm. they reckoned that she worked for a tourist company and so she was getting a cut of the $10 letters that were sending back and forth. So I think he, the guy, the guy ended up spending over $10,000 over a few years just communicating with, with this one woman. Whoa. Um, I didn't realize the letters were such a lucrative part of it. I thought it was more just about fashion and stuff. Yeah. But then also, you know, who's giving them a cut? Can you prove that someone's giving them a cut? You know, who knows? Who knows who's the bad egg here, but someone was benefiting somewhere from it so basically every man is sort of convincing themselves that they're going to find the diamond in the rough the woman who's there for the right reasons right Mm. they all kind of convince themselves that they know that it's a bit weird but you know they're here for love and they're going to find the right person there was one success story of a man in america uh, and a lady who has always wanted to get married um, but it hasn't happened yet. And because she is 30, she's basically 85 in their eyes. And her parents literally speak to the camera and they're like, I just want grandchildren. Like, oh, I just, I feel like she's never going to get married. And no, no, no. They think that her life is basically over and she's just like, I can't believe I haven't found a husband yet. But like for her social standing and her, um, her sense of self and in their culture, which is quite conservative, um, you know, and, and very old fashioned in some ways, um, you know, the value of being married and having a family is so important that you don't quite mind who that's with if someone can find mm. you and make you a good life. And she actually does uh, find a contentment with uh, an American man, you know. So she moves to America. She marries the American man. She has a baby. Um, you know, it doesn't quite feel like she loves him. But he's ticked her boxes and she, you know, and he's really proud to be married to her and she's proud that she's married and she's got a baby coming and he absolutely adores her. And Mm. he's got someone to love. She feels like she's been looked after. Like, it is very strange. Um, You know, it's a very problematic concept and I know it can be really sad. Well, you just reminded me of something I looked up 
so on the sort of like societal culture of the societies these women usually live in. Yeah. So one of the ones I'm going to talk about is in Australia and a big export market is the Philippines. Ah. And basically like when they advertise Filipina brides, they're like divorce rates are really low for Filipina women, like because like no one wants to get divorced. And it's like, that's a bad thing. If there's low mm. divorce rates, it means people don't have economic independence and they're stuck in bad marriages. Like divorce That's rates right. actually rise when society is liberated and women have rights. And so yeah. with your example too about like, eh, she just needs a husband and kids because that was sort of all she sort of envisioned for herself. And okay, yeah, well, she seems happy, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I do think that... um a lot of it can go wrong. And <laughs> trust me, there are way more examples of that. But um, I do think there can be genuine relationships formed out of this. Um, absolutely. And if, absolutely. It's, and if it's not for love, then companionship and family. And there is something to be said for that. You know, for someone to have someone else, loneliness, you know, just family values, you know, that it's not for everybody yeah. and people people can be really judgy but you know for someone to feel like they've got someone looking after them and um you know can take care of them even if that could be seen as gold digging you know i mean i don't know there's something to be said i for just it. don't buy the whole gold digging thing at all like i just think you don't buy obviously it. no i just mean like obviously they're after you for your money like just put that aside because you are buying a woman from the internet like, it's not a normal relationship, you know? You can't yeah. be shocked if she's after you for your money. It's kind of like just a form of economic um, immigration. I sort of know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's like, yeah, they know that the women are coming over so that they can be looked after and things like that. And hopefully that they'll form love out of a yeah. uh, out of I an just ar- mean you can't call them a gold digger for that. That's the situation. And hopefully they fall in love and hopefully you're a good husband. Yep, fair enough. Fair Worthy enough. of love. Yep, absolutely. But either way, they're digging your gold because that's their <laughs> end of the bargain for leaving all their family and friends behind and coming to a culture where they don't have a cultural framework, the language, any friends or any support. Exactly. The l- least you can expect is they could dig some gold while they're there. Why not? Exactly. <laughs> so what's your example from the Philippines? Um, well, I just kind of researched generally. I wanted to know how common this is. Right. And so it turns out that between 3,000 and 7,000 women move to Australia every year on prospective marriage visas. Because, mm. like, I almost feel like it should be illegal. Like, you can basically buy someone. And I've, when these women come here, as we said, they don't have their cultural background, they don't have the language, they don't really know what their rights are in Australia. They might have come from a place when they, where they had less rights. I've read a few quite scary stories in Australia. These women have Mm. sort of spoken to ABC News, basically wanting to warn other women against sort of getting lured into an abusive relationship, essentially. Mm. So the woman I looked up who came from the Philippines to marry an Australian man, he put a security screen door on the front door and he locked her inside every day. And he took her passport and basically like forced her to have sex with him and finally she got a friend who was like you don't have to have sex with your husband if you don't want to even though you're married she's like I never knew that and (laughs) so because she didn't you know yeah I really think that it does sort of begin to border on human trafficking like there are sort of in there's a lot of um there's sort of higher instances of family violence in these relationships than in the general community and I think that's because of the power involved in buying a bride. And it is yeah. about gender and power because women aren't ordering husbands on the internet. No. Very, very rare. Yeah. It also, it does have to be said that it, uh, it can happen a lot for male. Uh, I know that there's lots of male relationships. Um, I would assume that the same might be happening for uh female same-sex relationships as well I don't know but I know with uh especially gay male relationships there is still uh, also buying husbands from overseas as well in the same way that brides uh have been coming over for generations 
Hmm, that is interesting. I didn't come across any same-sex examples in the yeah. media I was reading, but I would be interested to know more about what the dynamics are with that. Exactly, same. I did read quite an interesting thing about the dynamics of basically the last 10 years and sort of video chat. Right. And basically, like, women actually do have more agency now to make their own decisions because, say, 20... 20, 30, 40 years ago, you would have had to just go to the business and say, you know, I want a better life, put my photo in your catalogue. And then you kind of had no other control of the situation. Yeah. Whereas now you can actually go on Facebook, go on WhatsApp, go on Skype, look up photos, have messenger chats. You can actually take some of the power back and vet people themselves. And so they actually are saying in the Philippines and stuff, they are seeing a bit of a shift where... um. Yeah, women just have a bit more control over the situation rather than those agencies because that's really the creepy thing about it is those agencies are making heaps of money off selling yeah. a woman. It's just a weird concept. Like It is. The power dynamic's not right. It's just off. It is. Like you said at the dance, all the men are like, eh, all the women are stunning. There was just something off. And yeah. there's just something off when you're like buying a person on a catalogue. It is. It's really off, and God, they're just. What are they? What are they? What are they thinking? Like you know, these these men who sort of delude themselves, thinking that a woman, like all of these women on this website, are interested in them, and somehow they convince themselves yeah. that it's real. It's like oh, I don't know. The main, my main takeaway from the documentary is that that explored a topic which was very sad. I think reflecting on loneliness in America, isolation yeah. of people who yeah. live far away, uh, some farmers who are isolated as well um, were, were on that tour. And um, I would agree with that. You know, yeah. taking money from desperate people who just want to fill a void. And, and it is really, really sad. Yeah. And don't assume, you know, don't assume that somebody you – you meet or a couple that you meet is in that situation you know we're criticizing the industry um and you should never yeah just just never label someone as that because it is offensive and we have lots of mixed race couples in australia um and it's really great that we do have that and blending of cultures is an awesome thing so yeah yeah and i guess just to end the segment i want to just say that if this segment's brought up anything heavy for you you can call 1-800-RESPECT and we'll also list some other um, support services in our show notes but i think let's go have something lighter now i want to hear about too hot to handle that's right let's dive straight into something super trashy So for our trash episode this week, we have picked something extra, extra trashy. <laughs> and that's right. I'm talking about the Netflix new series, Too Hot to Handle. If you haven't heard about this, your life will go on and nothing will be different. <laughs> <laughs> you will probably be better off if you've never heard of this show, but... We are here. We are journalists and we are here to bring you the exciting, exciting shows of our time, what people are talking about. So this is a show where a bunch of single influencers slash models or models slash influencers, um, throwback to Zoolander, all meet up on an <laughs> island. <laughs> Just really, really on- attractive people. I want to be a model slash actor, not an actor slash model. So they all meet up on an island with the idea to form relationships. AKA, for any usual show like this, also means that they would hook up and drink a lot and sleep together. But there is a twist in the form. In the form of a robot that they all think is an air freshener called Lana. <laughs> the robot was super weird. It's like Siri so shaped like a creepy. cone. It was so just creepy. no. I was like not into the robot. <laughs> no, I was not into Lana. And then so she tells them. So she just randomly comes on when um, some people are making out in one of the bedrooms, and she's like, "Hello, everyone." So there is actually one hundred thousand dollars cash prize money at the end of this for all of you. And I guess they just split it or whatever. The rules aren't clear. Yeah. But then she says that they can't have any sexual activity at all. 
So what that means is that they can't sleep together. They can't make out. They can't do any sexy They can't uh, masturbate. They can't masturbate. They can't do anything. And if they do get caught, they lose money from the kitty. So I think the first person who kissed uh, lost $3,000. So that's what a kiss cost. So it's like, shit, what's everything else going to cost? And look, it's it's just a terrible show. I mean, <laughs> there are the the characters are like there. I don't even know who's produced this, but it's basically Geordie Shaw. Like, did you watch Jersey Shore and Geordie Shaw? It's I like the did. same. It's the same people. They like want to party and have a good time, and then they're like, "What? We can't have sex? Like, no, no! Oh my god, it's just so." bad it's just so bad and what pisses me off is that they're just like oh my god I don't know how I'm going to go without for such a long period of time and like when they're all introducing themselves it's like usually on shows like this you understand that they're a little bit self-absorbed or they're a little bit this or they're a little bit that but they're bios when they first open the show yes. telling each other who they are holy shit do you have a favorite bio <laughs> <laughs> i've written a couple down so have i <laughs> good <laughs> i also probably overlap yeah so but that's okay one, so the first one will be <laughs> the english woman i can't even remember her name chloe she's like chloe yeah Oh my God, I'm like not the brightest person in the world. So people just like really need to be patient with me. She says, I really need to be patient. I'm not the sharpest tool in the book. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? I think she's faking it because like that comedic timing is hilarious. And I just want to take her by the shoulders like Tina Fey in Mean Girls and be like, stop pretending to be dumb to get guys to like you. I was going to say the same thing too. She really, really plays up this dumb thing. And yeah, she's like, not dumb. She's moved, quite smart. Oh, we've moved on from this. Like smart women are sexy. Like just stop it. You've set us back. You know, every time a woman like this does something like that on TV, it's like you're setting us back 50 years. We've, we've yeah. come past this. But she is stunning. She's beautiful. Everybody on this show is like very stereotypically beautiful. So they're like That's chiseled. part of the premise. That's why it's going to be so hard for them not to have sex because they're That's all so why. hot. Yeah. And they're all so tempted because everyone's so hot. <laughs> Too hot to handle. And, Too hot um, to handle. There was another guy. Oh, my God. It was so bad. He said, my favorite thing about myself is my massive penis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's like, it's the same as an air freshener. And he's like spraying around a bowl of air freshener. He literally said at home he has like a ruler or like a poster or I don't know, something that he measures it by. And he's like, yeah, it's so big. And I'm like, really? God. I think that's the same guy that I wrote down a note when he introduced himself. He's like, I studied like women's studies and gender studies at college. And if you pay attention, you get the blueprint of how to pick up women. I'm like, that's not what they teach at gender studies. (laughs) It's the opposite of that. (laughs) Well, at least someone was listening in the lecture. Not for the right reasons. He clearly wasn't though. I don't know. That's... It's definitely not what women's studies is. It's about no, no, but um, I guess it's worked for him for some reason. There was also this other guy who came in who was really American and sleazy called Bryce. Oh, I hated him. Oh, he was so creepy. And he comes in and everyone loved him. And I'm like, I don't get it. He's real slimy. And he says, oh, this was the most just made me sick I like I watched the show for the for the you know for the um for the podcast and my journalistic integrity I I, I pursued but <laughs> this moment right here is just what's wrong with life the last time I had sex was at the hotel last night I probably have sex every day I'll wake up with whoever she is and I'll just think man I can't wait to go out tonight and meet a different girl <laughs> I reckon I he is full of shit because if that was true, you wouldn't feel the need to like brag about it. Like, you know how they always say like when a doctor asks you like yeah. how many sexual partners, they'll times the women by three and they'll divide the men by three to get the real figure. Yeah. Look, I think they're all full of shit in that way. But at the same time, I just like they're all so happy with the bravado that they're portraying. Like the women true. are all ha- happy with it. They're all playing it up. They're all like, 
you know, at least, you know, based on the conversation that we had a few weeks ago about reality TV, um, you know, in terms of ethics, a lot of these people have like really signed up for it. You know, they're really playing it up. It's very, very, it's overdone. It's overdone so much. That's why it's quite cringe and hard to watch because it's very, very overacted or over portrayed. And I think that they're quite happy to just be caricatures because I think they just want to get famous or get whatever. And that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. You know, but it was, yeah, just some of the stuff that came out of their mouths, especially in these intros, like when they're just being normal people and they're just talking amongst themselves, it's, it's not nearly as bad as that. But those intros, wow. I got to say, I plan to hate the show and we kind of didn't want to do this episode. I think someone recommended we do it and we were like, yeah. no, like so bad. I can't, even. Like, I can't right. even. We'll just have hilarious takes about how bad it is. But I kind yeah. of loved episode one. Yeah. I laughed out loud the whole time. I actually had a great time watching it. Yeah. I kept watching as well. And I, episode one was hard to digest for me. I found like it was funny because it was so stupid. But I was like, oh, God, some of the things that they're doing. But it was still eventually kind of like, I guess, a normal dating show where they're all just kind of meeting each other and being awkward. And Yeah, it's very similar to Geordie. I've never watched Bachelor or anything. But Geordie, they're not dating each other. They're all just in a house and they all go out to bars and screw each other. But they all some- do date each other. That's the big drama, like Charlotte and well, Gaz, I- Vicky and Baldman. Like that's the oh, interesting yeah. stuff, not hooking up with like randoms. That's no true. one's watching every episode for that. That's very true. It is like very much like Geordie Shaw, but I have to say that this show makes Bachelor in Paradise look like a documentary. <laughs> like, really? Just, I feel like it's just so much worse than like it's just so much more overdone. Again, there's no sleeping together really or much kissing and stuff because they've made it a rule. But the fact the very fact that they've made it a rule means that they all want to do it anyway. And what pisses me off is that everyone's just so happy to make out with each other and just lose like three thousand dollars a pop. It's like, seriously? Like is that yeah. really? So it goes down to fifty grand, they lose half of it. What? It goes to fifty. Yeah. So a couple of oh them have God. sex, that's twenty. Some others do a bit of everything but, and that's 16. Shit. But then they say um, it's down to 50, but they're like, the couple who lost the most money, if they go in the private suite and they cannot touch each other, you can win back the money they lost. So they end up winning back to have a total amount of $75, but then they split it between eight of them. So everyone gets like five grand, which is not worth giving up your job for like a month and also the public no. ridicule of going on <laughs> too hard to handle. So not worth it. So wait, how do they win it back? By going into the room. It's like a little test, like the, whichever couple kissed and had sex the most, which was Harry and Francesca. Harry's Australian, by the way, and he's actually like pretty cute and funny. And he Francesca is. is like an Instagram influencer. So yeah. they are the ones that have sex and they originally were the first forbidden kiss. So they have to go into the suite and like if they can keep their hands off each other, then they can win back all the money they lost. Really? Yeah. Oh. But then, yeah, the remaining eight contestants win 75 grand. It's nothing. Oh, wow. Really? For literally so taking people, a month off work. I didn't get to the end, but how do people even leave the show? How do you get voted out? Um. So I found episode two and three to be really depressing. They had like a really bad energy. There was like these really like negative bitchy girls and so one yeah, of them, Haley, Haley got asked to leave by Lana for having a bad attitude. Oh my God, really? Yeah. Because she's like, <laughs> I don't believe in Lana or her process and I hate everyone here and I think they're stupid. And then Lana played that for everyone and was like, fail, fail, fail. <laughs> and then Jesus quits because he's not attracted to anyone on a spiritual level. So he's not doing like self-improvement enough. So he's like, I need to go on my own journey now. <laughs> Did you see the episode of like Detective oh, Jesus? So Sex Cop Jesus? 
oh yeah yeah and he's trying to figure out who did he's it. he's trying to figure out who it is and he's like i yeah. am the sex cop i'm gonna figure it out like putting on this weird accent <laughs> You know, the other thing that's just so bad about it, it reminds me of, because there was another guy um, who was actually kind of pretty decent in the end, who was called Kells, and he was Kells, the, accountant, yeah, the accountant, and he was just, yeah, and he, like, all the producers coined him the accountant, but, like, nobody, like, brought it up in conversation casually. He, he just said he was the accountant in a talking head. It is true that, like, producers need really clear archetypes of different characters on reality sh- shows. And, like, yes. if you haven't seen the show Unreal, which I th- we might have talked about before on the podcast, but it's such a good show and it's basically made by someone who was a producer on The Bachelor. Yeah. And it's about, like, how the producers, like, try to typecast everyone into these stereotypes for, like, the best drama and make yeah. it, like, manipulate everyone into good TV. Which I think there was a lot of that as well because, like, a character in their talking head would be like, I just feel like all I need is for him to do this. And then like one scene later, like they're doing that. And it's like, you're not going to come to that on your own. Like someone told you to go do that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So what did you get up to before you quit? I watched about episode seven. So I was like one away from the end. And then I watched a bit of the reunion. So can we talk about the reunion for a sec? Please. So there was eight episodes that I don't know when they were filmed, but they were released in April. And then a reunion came out in May that was filmed in quarantine. But the big goss of the reunion, so it was basically like a Zoom conference call. And the host is like, Harry and Francesca, like, how's things going with you? And Harry's like, oh, yeah, like, we're together. She came to Sydney. And then we broke up for eight months. And then I was, like, drunk. And I, like facetimed her and now we're like back together you're like okay and then he pulls out this like blue lolly ring and he's like francesca do you want to like do this do you want to like get married and like proposes to her over zoom on the group conference call what oh my god what happened she said yes shit and their followers went up just like that just like that. She's one of the big influencers. She was like, I don't even care about the money. Like, I just make money off Instagram. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it is quite self-aware. I have to give them that. Like, every like all these people are influencers. They don't edit out those comments of, like, them being influencers or that yeah. they have money, that they're making money through being influencers. And, like, you know, like, I think um, – they're not trying to make it a reality that it's not. Like they're just trying to go with the people that they have and get the best out of these people and the best drama that they can get. I don't know how much you watch. Did you watch when they get the green watches? Oh, my God. I forgot to bring up the green watches. That is the silliest rule. So basically they're allowed to kiss only if the green watch lights up. And Lana decides if the green watch lights up. And Lana, yeah, Lana decides that. And that's because they've made a genuine connection. So basically if they ask a question about each other and they have like a little moment, the green the green watch lights no, up. No, it's kiss. deeper than that. It's like genuinely they've had like some vulnerability with each other. Like it's deeper than a question. The times that turned green wasn't very often. Okay. All right. Well, I only watched it turn green once. And who was that for? <laughs> it was the first time. Rhonda and Sharon. Rhonda and Sharon. the first time, yeah. Yes. That was deep, though, because was that after David was like, you go, Sharon, be the man Rhonda needs you to be. And he was like, I'm yes. going to man up. Like, that was a yes. big, that was big for Sharon. Was it? Yes. <laughs> These are players. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it was good of him to sit down with one one person and concentrate. Is no, he put saying? himself out there because they broke up because he couldn't be vulnerable with her. And then That's he was. True. So That's true. That's true. That That's is true. why it turned green. I did feel so bad for David. Did he ever find someone? Uh, not that I know of. I he didn't watch getting... it all either. But he was definitely like the cream of the crop. He was such a gentleman when he cried he during such... that, like, staring at each other contest. Did you watch oh, that? Yes. Wait, the, the activity, the activity where he cries at Rhonda. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
So for our listeners who haven't seen it, they just stand on a square staring at each other, into each other's souls. Yeah, soul staring, it was called. (laughs) Soul staring. (laughs) (laughs) And he just starts crying and you're just like, oh, like he was just kind of sweet. I also really liked Kells for being the accountant because he was like, stop kissing. Everyone, you're Uh, losing money. Kells becomes a douche in the later episodes. Damn it, does he? Yeah, nah, I think Uh. he won't be so into Kells. He's like... So basically, Francesca like is like, "Hey, Kells, like I know we like made out or I wanted to, but actually, I like Harry." And Kells was like super in denial, and he's like, "I'm the alpha. Like Francesca likes me." And it's like she like broke up with you like three episodes ago. <laughs> like, <what>? yeah. <laughs> and he's very and was- much like, "I'm king of the jungle." Yeah, it was also pretty funny, uh, David and Rhonda. And so when David was like, um. Yeah, look, I really like Rhonda, but uh, I'll, um, I'll, I won't want to get in the way of Sharon, you know. And then he has this conversation. He's like, "Look, I'm willing to let her go, but you need to step up." Yeah, yeah. And I I was like, "But you are probably better for her, maybe, because you're like super gentleman." But no, I was into that whole storyline because Rhonda herself was like, "David is like beautiful. He says all the right things, but she had like better chemistry with Sharon. She did. And Sharon was like the guy she liked, and so like." I think there are some genuine, like, really good moments in the show like that where David was like, here's how to be emotionally intelligent and here's what you need to do. And he gave Sharon, like, this pep talk that was like, I'm going to step aside, but you need to get in there and do this and that. And then he did, and that's when the Green Watch moment happened. And there's also a moment... um, So, yeah, the whole basic of the show is, like, you know, to make a deeper connection than just sex. And um, when all the green watchers are coming on, they're having like these light bulb moments. And Chloe is like, it's just hit me that this show is so deep. It's like sexual rehabilitation, but with our minds. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I think it did work on a few of them. Did it? Yeah. I think Sharon made real progress. Him and Rhonda aren't together. Um, I don't know if you were still watching when it was revealed she has a son. Oh, no, so that I was wasn't. a little plot twist. Does he care about that? Is that why they break up? Oh, I feel like a lot of people would care about that. I don't think that's why they broke up. They said like distance was why they broke up. Yeah. But that, it's like a strange silly. thing to keep from someone for like till you're like very involved. Yeah, I thought that she would have brought it up earlier. Because exactly. I haven't, I don't think it was like episode three or four or something like that, but. They've only been on this island at that point for like three days. So I was like, (laughs) it's like not that long to keep it from somebody. But um, yeah, that's the problem. All of these dating shows are like all of the people live stupidly far distance away from each other. So, of course, when the show finishes, you're never going to have successful connections if they're all living in random places. So true, actually. Like not one person was from the same city. They were from Canada, USA, England, Ireland, and Australia. Yes, like like intercontinental as opposed to, you know, just from a different state in the US, you know, or a different state in Australia. It's like you're living really, really far away. And even in Australia with maths and stuff, like if these people are living on the opposite sides of the country, I mean, Australia is huge. That's it's almost like it's almost like the producers aren't actually trying to make love matches, but they're just trying to make good TV. Wow. <laughs> I know. I know, right? But the thing is, I don't understand why they don't make more of an effort to do that. Because, because ratings, TV- accents, something for everyone. Well, I guess you could have like, on maths, for instance, you could match two people from WA, two people from... So true. Don't they even do that on maths? No. Oh, for God's sake. It's so stupid. I mean, sometimes they're living in the same state or very close, but it is pretty rare. Michael and Stacey were both from Adelaide. So that was Because like let's be real, there's a reason why you set a kilometre radius when you're on Tinder. You're not yeah. setting it to the whole of Australia. It's just not practical. No, it's just not practical. It's like, of course, it's going to be very, very hard for all these people to uproot like, their lives. So why don't you just make it better and then at the end of a reality show like this you could have all of these success stories because it's more likely that people are going to stay together if they live close by whereas instead you've got all of this 
carnage of relationships that didn't work out. So true. So much collateral. Can I tell you my favourite quote from the show? Yes. So one of the guys is like, so do you like see yourself with her like long term? And the other guy's like, nah, man, like, I don't even know if I believe in marriage. And the other guy's like, oh, no, no, dude. I meant like four weeks. (laughs) (laughs) I meant like for a week. And he's like, oh. (laughs) He's like, oh, yeah, nah. He even was like, nah. (laughs) Monogamy is something that I sometimes question. I've often joked about like spreading my seed and just kind of rolling the dice of my genetic build with different <laughs> women and races around the world. They even brought in new characters halfway through, basically to give Jesus a match. They were like, a few of you like a single still, we need to like get more matches. So they brought in this girl who in her intro to the group, she was like, I don't really have a type. Like if I connect with someone like emotionally and spiritually, like that's game on. And then he was like, whoa. And then like in the next scene, he's like, yeah, I don't like her. I guess I just like need to reflect on my self-growth based on my past relationships. And then like next episode, he left. Jesus. (laughs) Jesus, Jesus. Literally Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. (laughs) It's just such a like... Some of the shit they say. It, it is entertaining because it's so bad, but it is like I could never watch Love Island just for this reason that it's just really, really, really overdone. No, um, and I never planned to watch this. And to our listeners who haven't watched this, would you tell people, are you going to recommend this? No. <laughs> <laughs> just listen to us trash it. That's all you need. <laughs> you don't need to watch this. <laughs> yeah, look, probably fair. I will say, as I said earlier, like I did really enjoy episode one and a few other episodes. Like if you want just something really silly, I don't think it's as bad as some other ones. But yeah, you're definitely not gaining any brain cells watching it. That's for sure. You're definitely not. But it is, it has its moments. It's funny. Um, It's funny to laugh at, you know, it's, it's insane. But I suppose you've, I've watched crazier things, you know, so. True. (laughs) You never know. Someone might like it. And, but yeah, probably do give it a miss. Swipe left. Exactly. All right. Well, let's talk about some more awesome people in our heroes of the week. So I have a hero quite close to the podcast this week. Uh, Grace, my hero this week is you. <laughs> I know. Oh, cringe for our listeners. But honestly, um, to give a bit of context, um, we wrote, well, you wrote, um, we did collaborate together, but you put this into words for us. You wrote this beautiful article, um, an open letter to Osher Gunsberg. If anyone hasn't seen it on Facebook or seen it on Instagram, there was a video made by Osher and friends from ABC this sort of comedy about don't make a podcast and, you know, we we don't need your true client crime exclusive and we don't need, <laughs> you know, your mate Dave telling us how funny stuff is. And, you know, like I get that they were trying to make a joke, but it was quite offensive and, and tone deaf. And um, so we decided to actually, you know, put it out there, put our opinion out there to say that people should be making a podcast. And Totally. You know, Aww. I just think I was I was pretty uh, infuriated. Like yeah, we, we, we did definitely laugh. we felt personally attacked by that. We video. felt personally attacked because one, we're creating a podcast in quarantine. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, we have been planning this before quarantine, but you know, just out of luck. And also, if you if somebody decided to make a podcast in quarantine, good for them. I mean, how how often do you get the time? to sit down and actually concentrate on a task as big as this. And if anyone would like to make a podcast, I challenge them because it's not as easy as it looks. <laughs> There's a lot of planning involved. And I'm really proud of us. And I am I remember thinking, God, I hate that, you know, this video was made. So I just really love how you wrote uh, exactly what I was thinking and what we were thinking. Um, in such an elegant, elegant and funny way. So, yeah. Thank you. And it was so cool to get our um, letter out there. And I also called up a radio station, which leads me into my hero. So (laughs) when we have the podcast, we've got a kind of editing freedom 
if we think we didn't really, something didn't come across the way we sort of intended it to, we might re-record it or just cut it out if we sound stupid. But I went on live radio to talk yeah. to Virginia Trioli. I basically, oh. look, I'm making it sound like I was her guest, but I just called talk back radio, but it's still <laughs> exciting. You took initiative, Grace, is what you yeah. did. You took the bull by the horns. And I was uh, challenged by a Karen. A literal a Karen. Karen. <laughs> who told us, it's great that you and your friends are talking, but just do it over Zoom. No one else needs to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> Look, her job is to be a critic, so she was pretty funny. But we had like a total throwdown. And yes. my hero of the week is Virginia Trioli, who is the host of that radio station. Because she, you know, listened to what I was saying. She completely like supported me against Karen. And she gave us, you know, a little platform. Her producers put me on the air when I told them that I'd made a quarantine podcast and I wanted to talk about it. And so that was yeah. really exciting. Yeah, it was so exciting. <laughs> we were just, we definitely felt as close to uh, what someone can feel like on a small scale to go viral um, <laughs> this week. And then our opinions were being heard. Um, also personal for me, uh, we did... Uh, reach out to uh, one of my favorite publications and podcast networks, Mamma Mia. And although they didn't publish our article, we got some really positive and encouraging feedback from one of my favorite writers and podcasters of all time, Jesse Stevens. Yeah, and that was really She special. gave us, oh, it was just so, you know, to hear from someone who you really admire to say that they really liked what we had to say in our tone. And unfortunately, although she couldn't say yes, she just, thought we were great and encouraged us to keep going and submit stuff in the future. And um, it was just really encouraging and awesome to hear from, yeah, an idol like that. So it was a pretty big week for us. It was. <laughs> a little self-plug, but, you know, I think we deserve it. <laughs> totally. And one more thing about that video from Osha, because I didn't think of it to say it on the radio, but now that we have control, we can say it. Yes. So, you actually made this point that the reason that that video is not funny is because good comedy is supposed to punch up. So the target should be a politician, a big celebrity. And this video was a bunch of established Australian comedians with huge successful careers making fun of everyday Australians. It's just yes. not funny. Yes, it's not funny. And, you know, I think that uh, some of the feedback that they had about the video was like, oh, it's funny. It's supposed to be satire. It's supposed to be tongue in cheek. It's like, well, there's actually nothing quite tongue in cheek about it. Like you're saying we've got enough here and that, that'll do. And so does that mean that there's enough TV shows? Is there enough books? Like, is there enough films mm. in the world? Is there enough news articles? Like, do we need to keep creating? Because I think we're done. It's like, how rude is that? And how uninspiring is that? It's just, and all of these people have succeeded in making a name for themselves. And, you know, they feel that they can, you know, start making fun of amateurs who are actually giving things a red hot crack. And it's just, you know... It didn't sit well with me at all, and it didn't sit well with a lot of people. We've had a lot of support and a lot of great feedback and comments about We have that. had some great support, but I also want to point out another milestone for us. We've also had some um, haters, especially on ABC Radio. So after my interview, <laughs> oh, yes. a few people called up and they're like, oh, did, quote, like, did coronavirus make people lose their sense of humor, like these precious podcasters? But I think oh, you and I kind yes. of said, like, imagine when we get big enough to have haters. Totally. Like, if we ever get a troll, we've made it. <laughs> yeah. And so far, we just have those two spam bots. But now yeah, we have actual We have two spam bots. Wait, that's, close. that's close to a troll, a spam yeah. bot, you know. Yeah. Like, it's only a matter of time. <laughs> anyway, thank you to those who... Um, read our article and our interview and gave us support. It's been awesome. It has. All right, let's head to the country. For my country news, I'm going to give a Tasmanian story. So you can buy a hotel in the Tasmanian mining ghost town of Linda for $150,000. What? A whole hotel? A whole hotel. So it was built in 1901, destroyed by a fire 10 years later and rebuilt. And it was one of four hotels in this town, which was a thriving town because they discovered gold. 
at a nearby mine. Mm. And so the newspapers show this hotel had a bit of a lively history with a lot of bar fights in the 20s and 30s. Um, And there was also many breaches of liquor licensing laws where they were caught serving alcohol on a Sunday, which was (laughs) illegal. (laughs) Um, But the gold dried out and then the town started to peter out and the pub's been closed since 1952. And so there were hundreds of people living in the town, but now only 10 people live there. 10 people? Yeah. And so it's called a ghost town. Who's going to go to the hotel? Well, apparently it's near some like cool places. So look a little weekend away. And also if you want some idyllic countryside, Tasmania is all about the fresh air and like wilderness. Get away from the hustle and bustle and go renovate a hotel if you've got 150k. 150k. Yeah. Cheaper than than an apartment in Melbourne. Well, the guy who's selling it said... For the same price as his hotel, he saw a car park, like a car parking space in Sydney is being sold for that. Jesus. Yeah. How depressing. How depressing. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? <laughs> um, so I came across uh, the ABC in Queensland uh, in Wide Bay um, has, for the very first time due to COVID, has created a virtual agricultural show. So these are shows that like travel around the country um, areas and host games, rides, competitions, um, and often have like animal sales, uh, like cattle and uh, kind of like the Melbourne show has a few pavilions of like yeah, like best in show for livestock. That's right, livestock and cakes and Country Women's Association and wood chopping and stuff like that. And so there was, um, but they're you know much more low key than than Melbourne show, but there was 128 in, in total that were cancelled. So that's a lot. Um, and a lot of the country towns sort of rely on uh, a bit of income for these shows, um, exposure. Mm. We know it is a bit sad. So anyway, a lot of the listeners were from towns like Bundaberg, Hervey Bay, Maryborough, Gympie and Burnet. And they <laughs> – the cutest thing is they broadcast this on radio and they reca- recreated sounds of the show, such as, like, using ping pong balls and an esky to imitate the clown game. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> and they created a phantom woodchop call, which I believe – is sort of I listened to it sort of it was like a splice of famous woodchop calls which are those you know chopping competitions featuring apparently famous woodchoppers by the names of Peter and Donnie Dingle right <laughs> and then I think they just pick a random winner and you have to click the link to find out so, who the winner was I don't understand this were they just doing wood chopping on video conference on audio just audio like just they know audio. that there's video right Surely they do know that doesn't video, lend it itself a, very well. Or is this, it was a radio. What? It was a radio, ABC radio. Okay, that's um, radio. Broadcast. Yeah. yeah, and they did this. That's the thing. They've, like, created this. That's what's so cute about it. They've created <laughs> And hilarious, I have to say, that they've just <laughs> created these phantom competitions. And I'm pretty sure there was even, like, uh, some links on the pay- Facebook page or whatever to the cattle or the best in show or whatever like that. Yeah, um, yeah. But then, you know, um, and the wood chopping, it's just all fake. It's just all a blend of stuff. And, you know, I feel like having lived in the country or at least a rural city, you know, for the last few years, I've really understood that country people really love sport and currently they're despo for any sport-related events. (laughs) (laughs) Like this virtual radio agricultural show thing, I'm pretty sure has gone viral <laughs> all over the country. Pretty sure um, different countries are also using it as inspiration for their own agricultural shows that have been be- have been cancelled. Um, even a colleague of mine at work, just, <laughs> he said to me the other day, he said, I could honestly just watch two ants walking along and I'd probably put a bet on it at this point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, finally, what are we going to recommend this week? So my first recommendation is a book series called The Neapolitan Novels by Eleanor Ferrante, 
So they were written in Italian and they've been translated into languages all around the world. It's basically this story of a really complex female friendship. So in the first book, they're like 10. Then in the next book, they're teenagers. Then they're young women. And then they're sort of in middle age. And there's been some speculation if it's autobiographical because it's told in first person and the author has the same name as the main character. But they're just really well written and really interesting, like beautiful portrait of Italy beginning in the 40s. Yeah. And then basically up until now, that's like the lifespan of the books and the lifespan of the women. And yeah, just really nuanced and interesting. So definitely recommend it. Oh, fantastic. All right. My first one is actually uh, bouncing off of what you mentioned to me last week about um, the actor in Run, the show that I recommended, is also in About Time, Mm. which is this epically gorgeous rom-com that I have not seen before Um, and I don't know how I missed it. I don't know how you missed it either because, like, everyone loved it. I I think you just got confused. You genuinely thought everyone was talking about Time Traveler's Wife or that um, Amnesia one. Either way, Dom Hall Gleason is gorgeous. He's Irish and... I was so moved by the film. It's also English, which, you know, is great information because it's way less corny. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's not just a rom-com. It's sort of about love. Family. And family. And, family. Yeah. and um, it's done so gorgeously. It really reminds me of the same tone of Yesterday, which is another film that I, English film that I love. It is I similar to Yesterday, actually. And it's really? got Bill Nye in it as the dad and yeah. it's just so good. Their Similar father-son time. relationship's really awesome. I was in tears. It was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. Well, oh. I feel like everyone else listening's probably already seen it, but if you, or like Miranda, somehow missed it, definitely somehow check it. it out. It's definitely not as bad as the cover looks, so just watch it. <laughs> <laughs> um, for my next one, I'm going to go semi-related to my country news story. So I'm going to talk about a comedy show I've just finished on iview called Ghosts. So the premise is this young couple, one of them inherits an old manor. It basically looks like downtown Abbey and they're going to renovate it into a hotel. And the main woman who's just moved in has a near-death experience and suddenly she can see the ghosts and they don't want them to turn it into a hotel. So hilarity ensues and it's really short, just six 20-minute episodes. Fantastic. All right, great record. It's really good. It's really funny. This is a hilarious scene. So she she fell out of like a window and that was her near-death experience and now she sees the ghosts at this house. So she's like, I need to get away from this house and why am I seeing ghosts? I need to go to the hospital. And she sits down with the doctor and he's like, look, you know, sometimes, you know, has something happened to you? Like when you're seeing ghosts, it can mean like, this or that and she's like how do you know I'm seeing ghosts he's like well because I've been dead for 20 years but here's your doctor and they're very good (laughs) (laughs) it's funny it's good amazing all right well my next one is normal people on Stan and Ah. I'm recommending it now because I won binged all of it yesterday really and Every episode, all 12 episodes, I watched all of it yesterday. It was that effing good. I can't gush enough. Uh, We're going to be covering it in our podcast. So watch it and then in two weeks we'll be talking about it here on the pod. I know that you haven't seen it all yet, but it's absolutely incredible. I was moved. I thought it was so touching, honest, and I was overwhelmed by how good it was. I reckon that it's going to win awards. Like, it was just fantastic. Really? I've read the book, and the book um, definitely won awards, I think. She was sort of a newcomer, and everyone's like, I can't believe this is a new novel. But I I haven't got far into the show yet. So, yeah, watch it if you're listening and join us for the conversation. Yeah, just just watch it, and I can't wait to go over it with you on the pod in a couple of weeks. Well, we'll talk about that soon, but before we do, next week we've got a very exciting episode planned. So (laughs) you may have seen on social media that Mindy Kaling is going to be writing Legally Blonde 3. So this is obviously amazing news, and we decided that was a great excuse to rewatch the original film. So we're (laughs) going to be talking primarily about the film, but also all things Legally Blonde related, such as the sequel and the musical. 
Yes, I absolutely can't wait. And we will also be discussing for Treasury con artists, which I'm obsessed with con artists. It's a real favourite topic of mine. So we'll be talking about some prominent ones and some ones you may not have heard of. So, yeah, join us for that awesome conversation. Awesome. See you next week. Please note that the views expressed within this podcast are our own and we are not experts. We've done some serious Googling and even some serious internet deep dives, but we are by no means qualified. If you need actual advice, please speak to a licensed professional. We can even help you Google one.